Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner with this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Pleasure to be with you today. Uh, we've got uh, one of my favorite programs. I do this about every year or 18 months or so. And that's the best of personal and spiritual quotations, quotable quotes. That's what we're going to talk about today, quotable quotes. These are, well, I've selected 40, and I don't think I'm going to get to all of them, but they're sort of in order. They start with my favorites and go down the list. This is from a book that I put together years ago. In fact, it took me years and years, probably more than 25 years, to collect all of these quotable quotes and uh, then to sort them and organize them. And this book, I sort of self-published a few years ago. I called it Creativity, Confidence, and Courage. And I'm going to republish it in a couple of months. I was going to say a few weeks. I guess that's true also. And I'll let you know about that, Creativity, Confidence, and Courage. It has over 500 personal and spiritual development quotes divided into three areas, the fearlessness of the mind, creativity, the fearlessness of the emotions, confidence, and the fearlessness in action, behavior, and deed, which is courage. So there's your title, Creativity, Confidence, and Courage. Quotable quotes about being free from fear, which is love and peace in all of those areas. So that's sort of what we're going to dabble in today, uh, select a few of those and talk about those. And then in the premium training that follows at one thirty Pacific, we're going to repeat last week's class because we had a crash about 20 minutes into the premium training. Uh, Skype crashed, and so I'm not going to rely on that uh, until I can figure out exactly why it happened and what we can do to make sure that it does not happen. And so I'm just back to using the regular telephone here. Good old reliable POTS, right? P-O-T-S, plain old telephone system. That's that's, the, that's what they call it. And... Uh, of course, this free forum is podcast and available through the iTunes store. And the premium training, you can enroll at any time. You could do it now or you'll have two or three minutes between this webinar and the one that follows at one thirty Pacific, where you can just go to theagelesswisdom.com and enroll for just – some pocket change, actually. You can get a really nice discount if you enroll for a 13-week quarter or even deeper discount when you register for an entire year. And I want to thank all the new people. We had a whole cluster of sign-ups when I announced that I was going to do the fly training. So for the free form, we touched on that last week, part one, and we'll continue next week here in the free forum with part two and go through all six parts of the FLY program, feeling like yourself. But again, in the premium training today, we're going to have to repeat that program because of the crash. So I hope that's clear. 
So today, the best of personal and spiritual development quotes, and let me get around here. I'm going to not used to reading off the uh, computer screen. I usually just sort of sit back, close my eyes, and do these events. But today I'm going to have to read these quotes off my computer screen, so let me get around here. So this is where we're going to start. This is uh, really the beginning, and it's an old quote by the Roman philosopher Heraclitus, or Heraclitus, some people uh, some people say, I, I think Heraclitus, never met the guy <laughs> a few thousand years ago. But he said quite clearly, all things come out of the one and the one out of all things. Now, this is ancient mysticism. And this is number one on my list of quotable quotes because it's really the most definitive distinction between religion and philosophy. Religious people tend to personify their sense of spirituality, to personify God, in other words, as a person. I mean, some in a very, very literal way. The teachings of the Mormon church are that God is a six-foot-two flesh and blood. This is the father aspect now, right? Not Jesus, but the father aspect is a actual flesh and blood being. Six foot two lives on the planet Kolar. And if that's your idea of divinity, okay. We've got the uh, ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. You've heard me talk about the imagery of God reaching out as if being made in the image of God means that God in our mind, should be thought of as being in the image of the human being. We sort of turn that equation around. And here's God on the ceiling reaching out Da Vinci's famous painting from someplace else to touch the finger of man. It's, again, if you take it symbolically, it's um, really quite a nice image. But what it does is make it seem that God has limits, is not a spirit, but an actual form and lives very, very far away. It's very separate and very remote. And this is found in virtually all religions, at least the three Abrahamic religions of the West, Judaism, its spin-off, Christianity, and Islam. They all tend to have this idea of God as form rather than spirit, although the teachings can be a little contradictory. So it sort of depends on who you ask and when you ask. But the idea of divinity is everywhere equally present, that all things are in the one and the one is in all things. The one life, or as the ancient Egyptians said, the one thing the absolute is the way a, ref, a, a philosopher would refer to divinity and be everywhere equally present. This is often described as pantheism. Uh, it's more technically panentheism. Pantheism means God is in all things. Panentheism tends to suggest that both things are true. 
God or divinity is in all things, but then all things are in the one. And this is a more mystical idea. And this is what Heraclitus is referring to. All things come out of the one and the one out of all things. So this is Heraclitus really talking about ancient pantheism, particularly the Egyptian philosophy. But if if the uh, ancient Greeks knew very much about Buddhism or uh, Taoism, they would have run into the same idea. And there's some evidence that they did, by the way. And that brings us to our second quote, by the way. This is Buddha. The mind is everything— what you think you become. And you say, oh, well, that's the law of attraction, isn't it? That isn't whatever you tend to hold in your mind, that consciousness is magnetic, consciousness or awareness. And a positive thinker or a negative thinker or maybe even a person like most of us that goes back and forth between some positive thoughts and some negative thoughts tends to manifest exactly what they expect, right? And that uh, our lives are pretty much a reflection of what we believe, of our ideas, our beliefs, especially what we care about strongly. There's really a couple of components, what you think about and then what you care about strongly. We talk about the thoughts as an energy and the emotional passion, the feeling as the force, sort of like the thought is the amperage in electricity and the feeling is the voltage or the pressure or the force. All, right. All energy or spirit manifests through fields, force fields, every energy there is. So why not consciousness or love, if you will, manifesting through a field. It's a very important concept. And so this is come to be called the law of attraction. It's also known as karma. It's uh, you reap what you sow. And in the words of Buddha, the mind is everything. What you think you become. My third quote today is from Mr. Einstein. It needs no introduction. Albert Einstein, often thought of as one of the most knowledgeable people in the world, and yet Albert Einstein is known for having said, imagination is more important than knowledge. Now, on the heels of what I just said, number one, Heraclitus, God, if you will, or the one thing, the one life is in every seemingly separated thing, and all those things are in God. And number two, the mind is everything. What you think, you become. It makes sense that Einstein, who was rather a mystic as well as a scientist, said, hey, knowledge is important, but imagination is more important than knowledge. In other words, knowledge is about what is known, what you already know, but imagination includes all the things you do not yet know, which, if held in the mind, then tends to manifest because life is a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
So it reminds me of some other quotes that I haven't got on my list, but they certainly could be like Walt Disney's famous quote, if you can dream it, you can do it, right? Anything you can imagine. What did Napoleon Hill say? If you can conceive it and believe it, there's the thought and the feeling, you can achieve it. Napoleon Hill, if you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. You sort of want to say do-da, do-da after that, don't you? (laughs) Here's Buddha again, number four. Intuition, I'm sorry, intention, that's a Freudian slip. Intention is karma, I say. Having willed, one acts through body, speech, and mind. Whatever karma I create, whether good or evil, that I shall inherit. So again, you see the law of attraction, the magnetic nature of consciousness in this Eastern concept of karma. But again, here we have Christ quoted in Galatians 6-7 saying, A man reaps what he sows. Is that not the same thing as karma? Of course. Was Christ a Buddhist? Well, of course. (laughs) Was Buddha a Christian? Well, I suppose, except that he was 500 years before Christ. But anybody who studies Christianity and Buddhism is very easily open to the idea that Christ was very aware of the teachings of Buddha. There's really no contradiction at all. There are many Christian Buddhists or Buddhist Christians in the world, and if you Google those words together, you'll come up with websites and uh, societies and all kinds of clubs for Buddhist Christians and Christian Buddhists, and it really enhances Each enhances the other, I think, quite a bit. Opens you up to a more complete understanding of what both of these guys had to say. What is the Buddha nature? And uh, what is the Christos? We did a program on that here a few weeks ago. Jesus the Christ. That's not his last name. What is the Christos? Right? Well, it's... Your Buddha nature, it's a a level of awareness, a level of consciousness, a degree of understanding, the bigger picture. You could say it's a title, the Christos, the Christ. Of course, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There are many versions and variations of that. I have collected about 13 of them, as I remember, 13 or 14 variations on the theme that is generally known as the golden rule. The golden rule was a reference to the Confucian version of this, that you should treat other people not the way they treat you, but rather the way you would like to be treated. Most people treat others the way they are treated. You treat me poorly, then I will treat you poorly. But if you think of reaping what you sow, that's not very smart, right? Or these other statements that we've read about the mind magnetizing or attracting, life being a self-fulfilling prophecy, again, the magnetic nature of consciousness. 
Well, Confucius gets credit for the so-called golden rule. But Confucius lived about 800 years B.C., whereas Moses stated the same thing, the so-called golden rule. It just wasn't called that by Jews. And Moses was about 1300 B.C., so he was really 500 years before Confucius. Did Confucius know about Moses, you know, the Hebrew Bible? Had this great Chinese philosopher ever seen the Hebrew Bible or studied it or read it? No way of knowing, but it's understandable that great philosophers would arrive at the same understanding, and here they certainly have. My next quote is by Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. I think it's really, like all of these quotes, very profound and very fundamental. And that's, an individual has not started living until he can rise above the narrow confines of his individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity. We see this a lot in our current day politics. There's really a struggle between the self-interest promoted by the right wing and the need for justice promoted by the left. Uh, the right wing, generally speaking, tends to be interested in its own self-interest, what's good for us, and the rest of you should be more independent, <laughs> less reliant on the nanny state, they like to call it, the welfare state. But the left is saying, well, now, wait a minute. You know, it is in my self-interest to care about social justice in the community. And, of course, the truth is a little of both. The balanced position of, well, both things are true. Self-interest is important, but you have to understand that what's good for the community at large, your extended family, what in Hawaii we call the ohana, the community in which you live, your state, your nation, your world. It is part of your self-interest to be selfless and interested in how can I contribute to the greater good for the greatest number. Dr. King understood that. I think that's a great quote. Remember the bothness of real wisdom. Wisdom usually says truth is a matter of degree. It's all relative. You can be a very wise person if you just start substituting and in your life for all of the or that we hear constantly from most people, the either or thinkers. My eighth quote is from the great American transcendentalist Ralph Waldo Emerson. This is Henry David Thoreau's teacher and mentor, and among many quotable quotes that Emerson wrote, one of my favorites has to be, love and you shall be loved. Okay. This is often said backwards. In fact, I believe in the Wizard of Oz, they say it backwards. They say, if others love you, then you can love them. And that really is backwards. You always give and then receive. It's reap after you sow. You have to sow first you, <laughs> before you can reap. You have to give so that you can receive. 
And love is a magnetic field. We talked about all spirit or energy working in force fields. And both people have to give or contribute their, shall we say, radiance to that magnetic field that is love. But each has to initiate it. Empty people can't fill each other out of their emptiness. It's a matter of loving and you shall be loved. So it's it's the order, really, that matters. I really like this from uh, the Christian Gospels, First um, John 4, 8. Uh, Christ quoted as having said, Whoever is without love does not know God, for God is love. And uh, what can you say about that? The whole idea that God is love? I like... Uh, the quotation by Tolstoy that love is the only thing that's real. It's the only thing that lasts. In a world where everything is impermanent, all material things are in decay, everything is constantly changing and dancing and moving and grooving and eroding and decaying and <laughs> slipping and sliding away. You can't take it with you and all of that stuff. What is the one thing that is eternal and infinite, that never dies, and that always exists? Love. Well, most people think of love only in emotional terms, but to capitalize the word and to understand love as a level of understanding, of awareness or consciousness, that's the secret, that's the breakthrough that the mystic tends to contribute uh, to the larger philosophy. I really like this somewhat paradoxical version. An individual named Albert Hubbard is credited for this quote, the love we give away is the only love we keep. Now, obviously, <laughs> that's deliberately paradoxical. The love we give away is the only love we keep. All right. Definitely worth pondering. Aristotle, I like this a lot. He said, uh, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Boy, there are many, many people who just cannot entertain a belief that they do not believe. And so they live inside the box that they have created for themselves out of what they think they know. Again, it's like Einstein, what you imagine is far more important than what you think you already know. How do you think outside the box? Well, Aristotle says, you've, you know, you've got to be mature, you've got to be educated to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. That's the mark of a wise woman a wise man. In that same sense, I have a quote by a fellow named Thomas E. Kida, or Kida, K-I-D-A. He's a contemporary. He said very simply, and I think this would be a great bumper sticker, don't believe everything you think. <laughs> now, you probably know the aphorism, don't believe everything you're told, but how about don't believe everything you think? Just because you think something and you think it's true doesn't mean it is. Well, I think it is, yeah, but every test you've ever taken, 
you had some wrong, right? You you thought they were right, but uh, I mean, sometimes we know we don't know. And yeah, I sort of expected to get that answer wrong, but sometimes we're so damn sure of ourselves and then it turns out the thought was wrong. So you are not your thoughts. Some of your thoughts are very wrong and most people don't even know where the thoughts come from or why they think what they think. So why would you believe everything you think? You see, there's great wisdom in that, especially when you're having these arguments with yourself. If you are your thoughts, which side do you take when you argue with yourself, when you suffer the ambivalence of normal consciousness and you have these debates inside your head? Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Take a deep breath and relax. Uh, wish I had more time for this. Let you know when that book comes out and just ponder on what you've heard me say now. Which of these quotes stands out for you? Close your eyes if you haven't already and give it a think. Ah, relax. And as Aristotle said, ponder or reflect on ideas that you're not even sure that you believe and be open to the idea that there is wisdom all around you, accessible through your imagination. And take a breath and come back to the waking state, opening your eyes. You see, even a 30-second meditation is beneficial. Thanks a lot for being with us today. hope you can join us in just a few minutes for the premium training. You can enroll and register at theagelesswisdom.com. The W's dot theagelesswisdom.com. And we'll see you at the premium training in just a few minutes. Mahalo. Thank you. And aloha from Maui, Hawaii. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner.